If you will, this morning, turn with me, and our text this morning will be found in Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4. will be our text this morning, Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4. O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise Thee, O God, my God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank Thee, O Lord, that Thou hast brought us here today. Thy great mercy upon our souls to bring us to a place, Lord, where You will provide. I pray, O Lord, in that provision that You make for Thy people, that You would provide for our souls in this hour, Lord. That thou would be pleased to speak to us in the depths of the soul. Speak to us, Lord, that we would know that thou art there. Give us evidence of thy presence in our soul. Lead us, Lord, into thy truth. And may we see thee high and lifted up as you are pleased to reveal thyself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just reading our text this morning, you wouldn't realize that in the midst of when David wrote these words, he was in great depression. Soul declension, uh, discouragement, whatever word you want to you give it. I think we identify more with it today with the word depression because it's used a lot in our society. You would be in denial if you think that the children of God do not have depression as you'll see in our text this morning. We do. We do have depression. We do have the soul sinks down into the mire, sinks down in its polluted self into what pollutes it in this life, and our vision of the Lord is skewed, and we can't see Him even though He's there. Our sin hides us from Him, and... Um, it becomes kind of difficult in our life, sometimes very lonely, sometimes very distraught. We'll see that this morning. Once you understand something about our psalm this morning, 43 is really just an extension of 42. In the original Hebrew, it was 1. So I'm going to read through Psalm 42 and bleed into Psalm 43 and read its entirety. And I, and I hope this morning as way of introduction the Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us as we're reading these words together of what David is going through at this moment. I know it doesn't say a psalm of David, but if you if you are well versed in the psalms and you've been exercised in the psalms, you will see the great, a lot of the very things that he says in these psalms are found in many other ones that say a psalm of David. So I think we can rightfully assume that David is the author although we know the Holy Spirit is the author. So if you will, read with me now as we'll read all the way through from 42 to 43. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been meet day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. 
For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy waterspouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Twice in this psalm, David says something about why I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy. Oppression is a distress of the soul. It's a pushing down of the soul that comes from our enemies. I'm not talking about physical enemies. I'm talking about what Satan, what the world, what the flesh, and what sin does to our soul. It presses it down. It causes great soul declension and soul distress, as you see this morning. David was not alone. As we read throughout the Word of God, many of the saints went through depression, went through a longing to see the Lord, but didn't see the Lord. You see that in David's soul here as he's longing to find and see the Lord. His hope is in, he's anchored because the Lord is the Lord of his soul. There's a warfare going on, and that warfare comes from many things, and you'll see that in a moment when we talk about other saints. But that warfare can come from fear. That warfare can come from anger. That warfare can come from entitlement. That warfare can come from many things that raise up in ourself and our flesh and that fight against our Lord of mercy and what He is in our soul. And there are times that we would stand with the crowd and say, I will not have this man to reign over me. As bad as that sounds, it is the truth. It is the truth of our carnal man. It is the truth of the part of us that will never get better. 
It'll never be reformed. It'll complain. It'll try to reform itself. It will tell God what it's going to do. It will try to lead your life. But as we see in our text this morning, light and truth and the altar of God. And I hope you already understand that to be Christ. He is our light. He is our truth. And he is the altar of God. I pray this morning as we get to verse 1. We have this imagery set before us as the heart panteth after the water brooks. Picture now the deer who is being hunted, who is running from its enemies. And that's what we do. We don't like to commune with our enemies. At least the new nature of us doesn't. But as the enemies close in, the, the heart is desiring to have, and heart, H-A-R-T, the deer, is desiring to have refreshment is desiring to have to be nourished and water is what he knows will do it as he's fleeing from the enemies as he's running and he feels oppressed as he feels he's chased as he feels he needs nourishment and david makes this corollary he says so pants my soul after you lord my soul desires of that living water my soul desires to be fed with that living water. To be fed from the bread which comes down from heaven. Because there's something in our soul. It is the Lord Himself. It is the hope of glory. It is the rock. I want you to hold that thought a minute. And I want you to go with me as we trace some of the saints. And I want you to turn with me over to Numbers 11 for a moment. We know in Numbers 11, that means we're going to talk about Moses. In Numbers 11, Moses, the people that had much manna rained down from heaven. But you know what? They were sick of it. And if you read in Numbers 11, and we begin in verse 10, we see what Moses... Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly... Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? He's pressed down. His soul is pressed down. He's crying out to the Lord. Whence, oh, have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? That thou should say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom, as a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? When should I have flesh to give all unto all these people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, Kill me. Kill me. I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. Take me, Lord, off the face of this earth. I cannot deal with what's in front of me. And in and of ourselves, we cannot. And Moses recognized that as he says, 
I don't want to see my wretchedness. I don't want to know how bad I am if I'm left to deal with this situation in and of myself. And he cries out to the Lord and he says, remove me. Now go with me over to 1 Kings 19. Now we're going to talk about Elijah. We'll just begin in the beginning of the chapter. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And without how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Do you remember that? How, how uh, the Lord sided with Elijah and he, the fire came out of heaven and all of those false prophets were made the fool in front of all the people and then they were slain. And Ahab went and he cried to Jezebel. He said, this is what he did. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now we say, listen, this man of God just had God on his side that delivered him from all of those false prophets. What is he going to say to her? What is he going to say to this new enemy that's come up? He's so bold. He's got all this strength. He can deliver himself. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. That he might die. Fear had driven him to go away from where he was and made him sit under a tree. And as he saw the fear, not the fear of the Lord that's hidden in our hearts, the fear of man, the fear of life. Remember where he was just delivered from. You tell me this isn't a struggle? You tell me we don't need him every hour? You tell, him he, you tell me that the light, we don't need that light shining out of darkness in our soul? He sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. What you've raised me, you've used me, Lord, as a vessel. Now I'm fearful. I'm running. I'm under this tree. I'm scared for life. And what is he not seeing? He can't see the Lord's presence in his soul. He can't see the Lord with him. And he cries out to the Lord, though, because there's something in him. There's something in him, the seed. There's something in him who cries out to the Lord and said, Lord, just take my life. As if to say, Lord, you must be done with me. Take my life. I'm fearful. Take it. It's not worth anything. I'm, I'm just, and there had to be conviction there, too. Here I was standing in the face of all these false prophets. And I didn't run. But now in the face of one woman, as wicked as she is, I'm running for my life. Take my life. Then I think we all know Jonah. Turn with me over to Jonah 4. This one's a little bit more well chronicled. We've certainly talked about Jonah enough times. Jonah had just witnessed the Lord bring great repentance to the city of Nineveh. Now, 
Shouldn't we all be jumping up for joy because the Lord had mercy upon a people did not destroy them? Shouldn't that be? Well, let's see what Jonah had to say. But it displeased Jonah. This is verse 1 of chapter 4. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. So the first one in Moses, we see that what pressed his soul was the, 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 the pressure from the people. Got so much to him that he cried out for his life to end. Elijah was fear of man. And he said, okay, Lord, I cry out for my life to end. Jonah now is angry. He's consumed with anger. Because as he fled God the first time, he told God what he was going to do. He knew that, well, he'll ask And he prayed unto the Lord and he said, I pray thee, O Lord. Now notice that. In the midst of this anger, something in him brought him to the Lord. Not a very reverent prayer, I might add, but he did commune with the Lord. Let's listen. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil? You say, well, that's a good thing, isn't it, Jonah? And Jonah's looking at his life like, I, I came and I told them they were going to be destroyed. You then, in your long-suffering and mercy, decided to spare them. And now look at them. Look at me. A prophet is known by thus saith the Lord. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, I beg thee, take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. In his judgment, he was no longer needed. And he came before his Lord and he said, Lord, take my life. Tell me his soul is not pressed down in him. The Lord then asked him, does it do you well to be angry? And Jonah will answer him, yes, it does. And we are not given a deliverance from Jonah. For Jonah, I should say. Not in the book of Jonah. But we have to believe he was delivered. He was a child of God. The Lord is faithful. And if we, we, we think of Peter. We think of Peter who was so verbose and so talkative and always was the outspoken one. and said, Lord, we'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. And the Lord said, you're going to deny me three times. And not only did he deny him, he denied him violently. And he cursed his name and he said, I don't know this man. I don't want to be associated with this man. And when they took Jesus, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. His soul was pressed down in great sorrow. <coughs> and the bitterness of his soul was that you had to know he had to feel very low. All that he said he would do, he did not do. All that he said he would perform, he did not perform. And it brought him in great sorrow. And then the Lord in all of His mercy and the depth of His grace looked upon him. He looked upon Peter. You know what's the next thing we hear about Peter? He was running to the grave. That's the next thing we're told about Peter. He was running with joy to the grave to see if the Lord was there anymore. Well, I'll tell you something. And what I know about myself and my soul declension and, and when I'm depressed, 
I'm not looking to run after the Lord. I'm looking at self. So in that look that Christ provided Peter, it lifted him from this pit of despair and set him back on the way of truth, which is Christ. It was light in his soul. What about Paul? We read all throughout Romans 7 and he talks about this great struggle that he has. And he talks about the things that he wants to do, he can't do. And you could just hear the despair in his voice as, it, as he's writing this. It's, I, I want to do it, Lord. But how do I, I look into myself and what I see, I don't see anything dwells here that's good in my flesh. And I don't see a way to perform this. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Because that's what it is, a body of death without deliverance. Now what we have for us today in all five of these saints is all five of them were delivered. And they were delivered one way. Just as our psalmist today will be delivered. So let's go back to our text now in 42 and 43. Because as we look at that first verse, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. We see the oppression of the soul. We see that the enemies are closing in around him. We see a great... Oh... Sorrow, sadness, anxiousness. But then I want you to, before we get to our... I want you to pay attention to verse 5, verse 11, and verse 5 and 43 again. Because they're all the same. Three times does the psalmist say this. Why art thou cast down? So now he's communing with his soul. He's looking into his soul and he's wondering, why are you cast down? So you know that the Lord is faithful. You know that He is a Lord of promises and every promises, promise that He has made, He has kept. That all the promises in Christ are yea and amen. That He will perform every one of them. That He has performed every one of them. Why, soul, are you cast down? Why are you disquieted? Within me? Why are you so silent? Why are you not jumping for joy? Why are you not affixated upon the Lord who has done all these things for me? David said that I will cry out to the Lord who has performed all things for me. Why art thou, why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. It's like he's trained. He knows the Lord is his hope. My hope is in God. Hope thou in God. He's communing with his soul. He's speaking to his soul. And he says, soul, hope in God. That's where the hope is. It's not in man. It's not in uh, doctors. It's not in riches. It's not in your name. It's not in fame. It's not in fortune. My hope, and David had all those things, by the way. My hope is in God. My hope is in the Lord of my life. My hope is in the Lord. Hope thou in God. For I shall, I love those shalls, I shall yet praise Him. That's speaking of the faithfulness of His Lord. I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. I know that the Lord is faithful. I got up one morning, I think it was Friday morning, to, uh, I didn't know where it was, but the Lord quoted it to me. He said, um, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That was, the, that was the prayer on my lips Friday morning as the Lord brought me 
brought me to him in the word. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And David said that, by the way, in Psalm 61 too. But it shows you a position. It shows you something that when the Lord sets you in that place, that place is a place to learn. That place is a place of an empty vessel that is ready to be receiving of whatever the Lord has for it. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The rock which is Christ that we're told. The rock that I need to be hid in every day that He showed Moses. I'll hide thee in the cleft of the rock. That rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that as we come to our text, it sounds so cliche that you'll hear preachers and people say that all the time. Well, the answer is Christ. And people, you know, well, well, I know the answer is Christ. And all of these ones that we've read and the psalmist here now, they know the answer is Christ. But as Paul said, how to get there? I don't see a way in my hands. And that, those hands could make a false god and those hands could make a way to worship and those hands can work himself out of many things. But he couldn't find a way to get into the communion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall deliver me? I thank God. I thank God through Jesus Christ that it is my Lord that there's no condemnation in Him, that He is my deliverer. Well, isn't that what we're about to look at in our text? I said, when I read that text out to you, and, and I read it before we even started, you probably thought, wow, here's a song, psalm of praise. David had a, a lot of psalm of praises because he praised the Lord so much, and he did. And this is a psalm of praise. But in the midst of the praising the Lord, we have all this around us. All of the depth of what's going on in the soul. A lifting up, a going down. A lifting up, a going down. Sometimes when my soul is in declension and when I'm depressed, so to speak, it happens at the weirdest times. If I got a three-day weekend in front of me uh, that I have Monday off, and I'll be on Friday. I'll be, man, I got so much to be happy about. Friday night's the best. Because you look ahead, you got Saturday, you got the Lord's Day on Sunday, you got Monday, and everything's great. But it doesn't work out that way. Usually those days are just marred with all kinds of things sorrow after sorrow after sorrow. And I have to stay, sound, say with the psalmist, why is my soul cast down? Look at these things that I should be so happy about. Look at, look at this. Uh, I'm about to walk into this, and, I, and, and this is a great blessing from God. He's, he's providing this way monetarily. Well, well, those things can't the soul. And that's what David is saying. Those things in life, they can't touch my soul, even as I'm a king, even as I have everything at my disposal. I still need the Lord, His hope. I need Him to carry me. And that's what you'll see in our text as we focus now in on our text in 3 and 4. O send thy light and thy truth. Do you not know those names? Do you not know? Well, let's get reacquainted with the light. We know where to go. John 1, real quick. We'll just go there real quick. Read the beginning of John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. Here we go, verse 4. In him was life, in Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. His life is the light of all of those who are in Christ. And the light shines in darkness, but the darkness can't comprehend it. When the Lord works in our soul, there's a part in our soul that can't comprehend it. That's the old nature. The world can't comprehend what Christ has done, what He's doing, what He shall do in the people of God. They can't comprehend it. Darkness will never be able to comprehend it. I've had some tell me, I don't know why you talk about depression. I don't know why. It's not real. It is real. It's real all throughout the Word of God. David said to us, and the, the psalm escapes me right now, but he told us to beware of those who have no changes. What does that mean? That they're not schizophrenic? That they're not, no, that don't have the ups and downs of life. If you get that knock on your door and people are telling you how flowery life is and you just got to live above it, that ain't Christ. He told us in this life we will have persecutions and tribulations, but to be of good cheer because he's overcome them all. And if somebody does knock on your door and wants to talk to you about what makes them happy in life, if it's anything other than Christ, you should have nothing in common. And that's very troublesome as we go through this life. There are many things, and I'm around a lot of people that that talk about many things that make them happy. Usually on Friday, you go out in the workplace, people are very happy. Monday, not so much. things things and the light shineth in darkness and darkness comprehended it not verse 9 says that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world that light is Christ John in John 8:12 said then spoke Jesus again unto them saying I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. That shall is a promise of Christ. The followers of Christ will have the light of Christ to show them the way. He will be the light in their soul. That's why David cried out, Send out thy light. Send the Lord. Send I got to see His presence. I got to see the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Christ is light. Ephesians 5.8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light, are ye light in the Lord. In the Lord is where our light is. Walk as children of light. That's how can we walk as children of light? As he guides and leads us, as you'll see in our text. Leads us by the light. Not darkness. Oh, we can walk in darkness. Darkness is easy to walk in. That's that old nature. He's always raising his head, promoting self. Promoting self. I've heard so many people talk about religion or speak in the name of religion where they believe they're speaking in the name of God and everything comes back to themselves. This is what I say. This is what I do. This is what I what came to me. You hear that kind of stuff, you know Christ ain't dwelling in them. Christ is the light. 
He brings the light to shine upon him and his work. Not the creature. Christ. 1 John 1, 7 tells us if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's how we have fellowship. When we walk in the light of Christ. Not in the light of our knowledge. Not in the light of whatever we've been taught in this life. The light of Christ. To give the light of... Oh, wrong verse. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what that light is. It shines the light upon the cross and what Christ has done for His people. It shines the light upon the empty grave and shows us that He is resurrection life for us. It shines the light upon His blood that washes away. That blessed is the man whose sins are not imputed unto Him. Blessed is the man whose sins have been washed away. That's what the light tells us. But that's not all that the psalmist asked for. What, for thou art the God of my strength. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. And immediately what comes to our mind, of course, is the Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But before we get to that, in John 1, 14 and 17, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It is a good litmus test for our soul that truth only comes from Christ. So, it's been a, a good practice in my life. The Lord says to me that they must all be taught of God. So whoever's teaching you're listening to or whoever's you're reading, if Christ is not the exalted one, if Christ is not the one that's being spoken, if Christ, if you can't hear the voice of the shepherd, if you can't hear the one speaking of the shepherd and pointing to the shepherd, it's a hireling. We've been warned to get away from the hirelings. John 4, 24 tells us God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and how? And in truth. That's how important truth is. We, we can't we can't worship Christ in a lie. I mean, we, can, we can believe something and that doesn't make it the truth. The truth is what the Lord has revealed in the Scripture. And the Scripture is what's revealed of what's in, in Christ and who Christ is. Now, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. I am the light that shines all men. See, Christ was not an ego maniac. He was here to do the work of the Father. But shine the light upon the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That is where salvation is. That is where, that's what we saw in all of the declension of all the ones that could. What was hidden from them was the Lord. They saw the circumstance they were in. They saw the fear. They saw the anger. They saw the oppression, whatever it was. And when that happens, we can't see the Lord. But He's there. He told, hello, I'm with you always. I mean, even to the end of the age, I'm with you always. But our sin distorts that view. That's why we need this shepherd to come. Send out thy light, Lord. I know the promises. I know 
you know, I know what I've said three times now. Uh, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. How will I praise him when he sends out the light and the truth? Let them lead me. Let them bring me. They lead us as our great shepherd leads us. The sheep hear my voice and they shall follow me. And then every time, well not every time, when the Lord quickens it to me as he just did now, when I hear those words brings me, I always think of the beautiful picture that he has set for us with Mephibosheth who was lame on his feet. And every day, every meal, every meal, they brought him to the table to eat at David's table because he was lame on his feet and he could not come by himself. It's a beautiful picture of you and I in the middle of this warfare, in the middle of this life. We can't come to the table and every time we are to be fed and every time we need nourishment and every time that nourishment is there, we must be brought to the table. We must be brought there to receive that which the Lord has for our soul. Because we can't get there on our own. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. And of course, what we see there is communion. That's what he's crying out for. We need communion that comes from the union. David understands the union because he says, Hope thou in God. And he understands that only the Lord can deliver him because the Holy Spirit's told him that. But how to get there, he can't get there. Lord, I need to commune with you. I need deeper communion than me just crying out to you. I need you to answer me. I need you to come and commune with me in the holy hill and in thy tabernacles. In that worship that we just read that John said, They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And then our text takes us to these words. Then. I love that word, then. David says, well, Lord, if you do all of this for me, in your faithfulness, in your deliverance, in all that you perform for me, when you do this, when you send your light, when you send, your truth, then I will go unto the altar of God. What is the altar of God? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the altar. He is the sacrifice. He is the great high priest. He's all of them. Turn with me. Hold your finger there. We're going to come back here in a minute. But turn with me over to Hebrews 13. The last chapter in Hebrews. In verse 10, Paul says something. We have an altar, he says, in verse 10. Whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. There's no right in religious service or duty where this altar is. There's no right in that. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, he's showing us the completion, the perfect sacrifice, Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us, therefore, let us go forth 
therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Now, here's verse 15. It shows it ties back into 10, but this altar. By him. That's the altar. That's him. That's Christ. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There's our altar. There's that one in our text now, back over here in 43, that says, Then will I go unto the altar. Lord, when your light comes, when your truth comes, when I, got, when I let them bring me into communion, into union with you, when that union is meant, then I'm there. I'm there with my Lord, the altar. Hebrews 9.14 tells us, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself, He offered Himself on Himself, he is the altar and the sacrifice. Without spot unto God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. We need that altar. We need that substitute. We need to see what the Lord is in our worship. He is that worship. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy. What is, what is joy but a fruit of the Spirit? What is joy but a manifestation of Christ's joy and work in the soul? What is joy but the smiling of Christ in your soul? My exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee. And David loved that harp and he loved to sing out to the Lord and he loved to praise the Lord in that way and I hope you have a heart a harp I hope you have a way that you love to praise the Lord with whether it be singing in yourself or whether it just be praying and praising the Lord's name it's a thankful heart it's a heart of joy that shows that Christ has delivered you that he has brought you up out of the pit, the pit and he has set you upon that place that place to see Him face to face, to see the glory of Christ and what Christ has done. And yes, as depression is real, deliverance is real. Christ is our deliverance. And I wish I could sit up here and tell you that it only happens once in your life and once you're delivered, you won't be depressed anymore. That's not the case. Because as we go in this life and we fight in this life, this life is full of warfare. It's full of um, things that oppress us and keep us down. But the Lord is the, the one who lifts up our head. He's the razor of my shield and my faith and my the one who lifts me up far above it. My exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Our text one more time. Oh, send out thy light. It's almost like a prayer. And thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God. Unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Dear Heavenly Father, may you add thy power and thy strength and thy comfort to thy people this day. Show them, Lord, that you are indeed 
the light and the hope and the truth and all that you are to thy people this day. For this we ask for thy glory and thy glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray.